0: Love a good deal? Sale into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety-nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory.
2: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Rotoviz Draft series. I'm your host, Blair Andrews. You can find me on Twitter at amitherealBlair. And today I'm delighted to be joined by John Moore. Uh, John is the creator of the Phenom Index, which is currently up on RotoViz. You can follow him at hello, John Moore. That's John with no H. Uh, John, thanks for joining me. How's it going?
3: Hey, Blair. I'm doing great. Glad to be on. This is my first RotoViz radio appearance, I think, since the late summer of 2016. So. I'm long overdue for a return, and I'm glad to be here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. We, of course, wanted to get you back talking about the draft and talking about uh, wide receivers because of, oh, well, because especially if you work with the Phenom Index. Um, I think for any listeners who maybe don't know what it is, could you briefly just explain what, uh, what you're looking at, what goes into the Phenom Index?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So for a little context here... Uh, the Phenom Index really goes back to 2013, which was the first full year of RotoViz, and that year was really contentious. If you'll remember, there was guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Cordell Patterson, uh, Terrence Williams was a was sort of like a top 100 wide receiver prospect that year. And something interesting that came up when talking about Terrence Williams was the idea that he was a full three years older than DeAndre Hopkins. And you're thinking, wait a minute, these guys are. You know, in the same draft class, and they're three years older. That's that's kind of weird. And uh, at that time, I was big into to fantasy baseball, and so I was always looking at prospects who were in Double AA, A, Triple A, who might be able to make a big leap coming into a, a dynasty baseball league that year. Sort of looking at them based on how good they were for their level. Baseball, of course, has this term Quad A for for guys who are. Kind of too old for for where they should be, and they're good for that league, but they 're not necessarily like great prospects, um, more so just kind of like the playground bully who's been held back, beating up on the kids who are physically smaller and so it was the summer of two thousand and thirteen that it started kicking this around two thousand and fourteen that draft cycle was when it really kind of hit, and um, you know I went and ran all these different regressions and, and when you looked at uh, when you looked at different variables trying to project performance in the first couple of years of a player's career uh, draft position is obviously the, the single most important thing. And in fact, a lot of variables sort of get rolled up into draft position, um, meaning that the teams are already accounting for them. Uh, one of the things though, that doesn't get uh, picked up by draft position that remains, even when draft position is entered is age. And another one is uh, final market share of yards. And uh, y'all will have to forgive me for this siren going off in the background. Um, The perks of living in an urban area. But anyways, uh, so the phenom index was my way to very simply look at a player based on their age and their final market share of receiving yards, basically say, how good is this guy for how old he is kind of like in baseball, how good are they relative to the level, you know, that they're playing. And so uh, this isn't, this isn't a precise, precise metric. This isn't the entirety of my evaluation. This isn't, you know, but what it is, is it uses Z scores, which are based off of uh, an average and a standard deviation, and basically looks at uh, its it's way to roll age and market share into one number. So for example, um, if a guy is particularly young, say, you know, 20 years old in his final college season, he might have a Z score in the age uh, category that is like a negative one or, or less or lower, which is really good. Uh, Comparatively, if he has a market share of yards, that is, let's say North of 30%, he might have um, a Z score and market share of yards that is somewhere in the neighborhood of one. So what you want to do is take the guys with the high market share yards, subtract their age Z score, uh, which a negative minus a negative, you know, and you get a positive number there. And what you'll find is that guys who uh, say, for example, are standard deviation, younger and a standard deviation, better than average uh, in terms of market share, they'll come out with a phenom score around two, which coincidentally is where the, uh, the average and the median phenom scores for top 12 fantasy wide receivers have hovered over the last few years. Going back to 2015, um, again, if you're looking at the top 12 fantasy wide receivers for the last couple of years, their, their median, their average Phenom scores hover right around two. So um, hopefully that's a little bit of context. Uh, by comparison, a very average prospect would probably have a score about uh, of about zero. Um, and the the absolute maximum that we might see is, is somewhere uh, north of four. And we'll actually have a prospect that we get to talk to who, uh, who is at that high end of the spectrum in this year's draft class.
2: Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, I think it's, you know, obviously really important to adjust for age. You don't often, you know, we're talking about three years, but that maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but it's the difference between like a, a freshman and a senior. So a big difference in, in uh, college prospects.
3: Yeah, and, and an important note to Blair, because some people get tripped up on this. It has nothing to do with career longevity in the NFL, but it does have everything to do with how good is the player you're actually looking at. That's absolutely the issue. And less so, oh well, you know, who cares if the guy's in, you know 23 when he goes in the league, he's only going to be there for a couple years anyway, and he's still in sort of his prime window. But that's that's absolutely not what we're talking about. It's much more a matter of how good the player actually is.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh you're trying to uh right determine how he performed at a young age to, uh, I guess, uh, get at, you know, how talented he actually is. Um, so who are some of, I guess, the biggest hits you've had over the last however many years you've been doing it? Who are the guys that Phenom Index has picked out that you like to brag about?
3: Yeah, so the, the big hit, and this was really the first year of the Phenom Index, was Alan Robinson. That was a guy that I really went to bat for. I said he was my number one wide receiver in the class. As it turns out, that class has just produced a ton of talent, 2014 wide receiver class. And I don't think anyone would say that Robinson has been the best from that class, but I think he certainly um, has been a high performer when he's been on the field. Uh, A couple other guys throughout the last couple of years, and these guys I think are particularly interesting because uh, the fantasy community in a way turned on them, I think. Maybe wasn't patient enough. Uh, Devontae Adams would be one of those guys. Nelson Aguilor would be one of those guys. Um, Devin Funches, I think people were a, a little antsy after his, his rookie year. So those are guys that I would I would put in the category of I thought they would be good and they turned out to be good. Um, guys that uh, I thought would be bad or I maybe would have steered you away from uh, would have been players like a Philip Dorsett, uh, Braxton Miller. Um, sort of retroactively, if we go back to 2013, Cordero Patterson was a player who who fared poorly in the metric. Um, so those are those are a couple instances that uh, that I would categorize as hits.
2: Okay. Uh, any anyone you're still uh, kind of waiting on to break out? Anyone you think should be a hit and hasn't been?
3: Yeah. So uh, I guess the time horizon that I look at when I'm trying to solve for for rookies is, is three years. And so a couple of guys from uh, the 2015, 2016 classes that I was convinced would be really good. Uh, Jalen strong was one. Uh, unfortunately he got cut from the Texans and then he uh, tore his ACL in his one game with the, uh, the Jaguars last year. So he's, he's kind of looking like a lost cause at this point. Pharaoh Cooper from the Rams is a player that's, that's going into his third year has been a big contributor on special teams, but uh, the Rams, man, with the with the wide receiver depth chart they have, like I'm I'm hoping Cooper could get on the field. I'm hoping Josh Reynolds could get on the field, but uh, McVeigh has just done quite a job in in assembling pass catching talent across the board there. Um, and another guy that I'm I'm kind of curious to to see what could happen this year um, showed some promise in in a pretty young rookie year. Um, was in that same class as Farrel Cooper and and was right up neck and neck with Farrel Cooper for the best score was Tajay Sharp with the Titans. Um, he has, you know, had various issues, uh, but he's heading into his third year and I'm, I'm kind of holding my breath to see what, what might come of him.
2: Definitely. Yeah. He was someone I was, I was pretty high on back, uh, when he was a prospect and it looked for a little bit in his rookie year, like he might, he might be able to carve out a role, but, uh, we'll see. I'm hopeful he can still turn it around. Um, so yeah, the Phenom Index is obviously a big part of your evaluation when you're looking at prospects, but uh, I assume you, you look at other metrics too. What else goes into your uh, evaluation process
1: when you're looking at wide
2: receivers?
3: Yeah, so something that I'm actually working on now, and it's, it's so cool that I like, kind of want to hoard it, to be honest, is, is essentially almost like a risk chart for wide receiver prospects looking at when they broke out, at what level of competition, and whether or not they ended up going on to post a top 24 fantasy wide receiver season. Um, and that is really freaking cool. Uh, so breakout age is absolutely something that goes into the to the consideration. Another thing that I pay a lot of attention to is special teams production, and to a degree, running and or passing production. Uh, there's an article at Rotovis from a couple years ago called – uh, I think it's Wes Welker, Antonio Brown, and the hidden value of special team stats. Uh, and that sort of outlines the fact that um, like age, like market share, like I mentioned earlier, uh, special teams don't really seem to be baked in or at least appropriately accounted for by, uh, by draft position. So I think that's a little bit of an inefficiency in the market and something that I try to um, you know, keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, that's uh definitely an article I refer to. I think it's one that's pretty well known uh you know among Rotoviz writers who are trying to do uh prospect evaluations. It's um kind of an interesting an interesting thing to pick up. I guess the way that I remember it being explained is it kind of is a proxy for some athleticism that isn't necessarily measured at the combine or something. Do I have that about right?
3: Yeah, I I think that's a fair way to think about it. And I think um, some of these guys who are, let's say, like a sort of pretty successful at special teams, um, you know, uh, aspects of the game, uh, examples that come to mind that, for example, I didn't appreciate at the time, um, Odell Beckham, for example, he was an absolute uh, dynamite punt returner. Um Antonio Brown contributed all over all over the field. Uh, Stefan Diggs uh, was like that. Um, uh, Adam Thielen in his college career was like that. And and that's you know, he's sort of off the grid in a different category. But um yeah, there's there's something there and in, in in the the comparison that I made is is like, look, there's when people talk about you know they might not have the greatest athleticism but they've got like football athleticism i think that uh, my interpretation of of the results is that uh, where some of that shows up is in the special teams game in, in the return game
2: good stuff uh, all right before moving on i just want to remind all our listeners that you can get a subscription to RotoViz NFL pass right now for 30% off it's available through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our nfl content and tools and supports the pod so be sure to get your 30 percent discount for an nfl pass at rotoviz.com slash podcast also you can support the pod by subscribing to and rating the rotoviz radio channel on itunes do that and you'll be eligible to win a free 35 dollars entry to a league at the ffpc go to itunes leave a review with your name in it and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner uh, and actually, I think they're going to announce the winner on a pod next week. So if you want to take advantage of that offer, you definitely want to get your iTunes review in soon. Uh, if you don't win, but you still want to play in an FFPC league with some Rotoviz writers and podcasters, you can email us at RotovizRadio at com, and we'll get that set up. All right, so the 2018 wide receiver class, I think a lot of people, a lot of draft uh, analysts are kind of approaching it as a pretty shallow class or a pretty weak class. Is that kind of your assessment of it too?
3: It is. I would categorize this as the weakest wide receiver class since 2013. That was the year that produced uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, and really not a ton else. Uh, actually, the Phenom Index is is sort of a useful way to get a sense for the strength of classes. And so, for example, I looked at uh, in the Roto-Viz, Phenom Index article, I looked at the last 10 draft classes and how many combine invited wide receivers had a Phenom Index score over 2.5. Um, and this, this year's class is, uh, has only four of those players. 2016 had four, and then 2013 had three. Um, so pretty shallow at the top end. By comparison, 2014, that great class with Adams and Beckham and Robinson and you know, the list goes on, they had eight players invited to the combine who had a phenom score over 2.5 so um along those similar lines that that 2014 class had 20 guys with a score over 1.5 which is double what this 2018 class has so it definitely um, by the things that i look at i, I think quantifiably is shallower um, and and the the data does support the narrative that there's less talent at the uh you know top to bottom of this class
2: yeah now uh in uh dynasty rookie drafts i'm noticing for instance that you know people are reacting to this weak class by kind of leaving wide receivers on the board longer uh i wonder if it's possible we should be maybe looking at it or looking at it the other way around maybe the the top wide receivers are a little bit more valuable in in cases where uh the class is really weak what do you think of that
3: yeah and i you know i think that we actually see that in the real draft happen too um, you know, for example, I know last year, the, the wide receivers, I think sort of went a little bit, uh, unexpectedly high. And I think that that was because the league perceived a, a drop off after those top three of Williams, Davis and Ross. And I think that the, the 2018 rookie drafts that I'm seeing right now, um, at least according to the, my fantasy league data, it looks like the top six are all running backs, in the first round, and then uh, Sutton, Moore, Ridley, Washington, and Kirk coming off the board in the 7-13 to 13 range. Um, you know, I think that, that by all accounts, the top five running backs in this class are, are very um, highly coveted and, you know, with good reason. But I think that uh, the fact that there looks to be like there's a run on wide receivers right after that and then a pretty a pretty decent drop-off. Um, only two wide receivers coming off the board between pick 11 and pick 22. Um, I, th- I think that tells you that the the talent does run out pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. You want to maybe, if you have a wide receiver you really like in this class, you maybe want to uh, try and get him a little bit earlier than, than uh, when that run happens. Speaking of wide receivers we really like in this class, uh, I want to talk about DJ Moore, of course. You said in your uh, Phenom Index article. He has the highest Phenom Index score ever achieved by a receiver invited to the combine. Uh, so is he your top wide receiver in this class?
3: Yes, he is. And, you know, it's not only because of the great final season that he put up, but he also broke out in his age 19 season too. Uh put up more than a thousand all purpose yards. Um, how I define breakout, just to be clear, because it's a little bit different across the industry, I think. Um, anytime a, a receiver gets over 20% of their team's receiving yards, uh, that's what I personally consider to be a breakout. Um, so DJ Moore did that in his age 19 season, put up 53% of his team's receiving yards in his age 20 season, which is just absolutely stupid. But it's more than that, right? Because I, I mentioned the special teams and, and sort of diverse contributions, um, which which DJ Moore was, was special in. Um, you know, with, with running kick punt and passing, um, he played as difficult of a schedule as anyone in this class. Uh, he showed up at the combine and just crushed it. Um, you know, just pretty much everything you could ask him to have done as a prospect in a, a relatively, you know, quick career. Uh, he did. And for me, uh, I have his comps sort of in that, you know, upper half of round one guys like Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins. Uh, like I said, he, he, or like you mentioned, he has the highest VNAM score uh, going back, you know, really on, on record that I have, which goes back about 10, 15 years um, coming in above guys, Allen Robinson, Akeem Nix, Larry Fitzgerald, Amari Cooper, uh, Des Bryant. Um, and that's not an edited list. That is the list that he clocks in right above. And so, um, I think DJ Moore has the the potential to be a, a pretty special player for the dynasty community. Um, you know, uh, within that three year horizon, I, I think he can be a superstar in the league.
2: Yeah, that's uh, we're really excited for DJ Moore here at Rotoviz. Obviously, he checks almost every box we like to see. Um, how do you how do you think he compares with uh some of the top wide receivers in the past class? I mean, you mentioned uh, Mari Cooper and. Sammy Watkins I think as um, you know comparable players do you think he's at that level like uh, Cooper if I recall was probably a top two dynasty rookie pick is he uh, should he be up there for you
3: well I I don't think because you have a chance to really grab um, some elite running back talents in this class uh, with those top couple picks I don't know if I could say that uh, that more should go there, like you said in the top one or two. Um, but you know, if if you don't necessarily love uh one of the big five running backs, so to speak, and you wanted to grab him with uh with you know, fourth or fifth pick, I think that'd be bold. But uh depending on how your league's set up, I, I think that you know he is the best wide receiver in this class. So uh we talked about positional scarcity. If that's how you feel, then then go get him.
2: Definitely. Are there any other guys in this sort of uh top tier of wide receivers maybe going off the board in the first round that you really like that you think might be uh undervalued?
3: Yeah, I, I really like James Washington and I don't know I don't know if you could say that a guy whose current ADP is, you know, top ten uh in a rookie draft is is undervalued, but um for me, he's my wide receiver too in this class. Uh, I, I know that might be a little bit of a hot take, but he's a guy that, you know, if he had come out a year ago, which he, he had the option to, and, and very well could have, uh, he would have been right up there competing with, um, uh, you know, a, a top two, three score in the phenom index in, uh, in last year's class. So, you know, he, he could have come out a year ago. He still has a, a really strong score of 1.36 this year. Uh, and for me, what I appreciate about him, uh, consistent ability to get into the end zone <clears throat> for a for a really talented um, uh, uh, Oklahoma offense. You know, you have guys like Aitman, uh Chris Carson was there uh, last year. Um, the fact that that James Washington has carried such a heavy load in that offense over the last couple of years, over so many games, uh, really says a lot to me. He has for his career every time Oklahoma State snaps the ball, James Washington picks up one point one eight yards from scrimmage, which is the best of any power five wide receiver in this class um, in in my mind he uh in sort of the range of of potential comparisons uh and I say these names because people generally kind of know who they are. Uh, Dynasty players will know some of these other guys, but you know I think in in the lesser lesser version of of a Des Bryant type player, um, maybe sort of like a, a Ty Montgomery, Greg little, Leonte Carew, kind of on that continuum of prospects, um, he's a guy that, like I said, for me is uh, is my number two two prospect in this wide receiver class.
2: I think a lot of people have. Calvin Ridley near the top of their class, but he, of course, is one of the older prospects coming out. Uh, how much do you think his age hurts him?
3: Yeah, so there's an important distinction to make here, right? It's not that young players are automatically good and that old players are automatically bad. It's just that there are different expectations for them. So there's an article out of RotoViz from a couple years ago called. Um, Uh, Keyshawn Johnson and why I don't hate old wide receivers they can be good they just have higher expectations in Ridley's case even though he was past his 23rd birthday uh, in that final season his market share was high enough that he still managed a phenom score of 0.4 which isn't great but it is you know uh, within the sort of range that we've seen top 12 fantasy wide receivers come from he was a big time prospect in the mold of a couple other guys who, who entered college in their, their twenties broke out immediately and then went on to have, uh, you know, varying degrees of success as, as you know, top 60 picks. Those being uh, AJ Green and uh, Marquise Lee were a couple guys that were also older, big splash and then, uh, you know, dominated for three straight years pretty much. And, and have, have been uh, useful, if not great in fantasy, so for me, Ridley is uh he's not my not my number two guy, like you said, a lot of people probably have him up there uh for me, he's kind of more in the range of um sort of my wide receiver five in this class um there's a couple of guys sort of bunched right there, but I think Ridley can be good uh i just i don't know if i would if I would take him i i I wouldn't take him, i should say above guys like more. Washington Christian Kirk um but I'm I'm not writing them off.
2: So who is the fifth receiver in your in your top 5? Let's just get them all out there.
3: Yeah, so more Washington Kirk, Sutton, and then Ridley.
2: All right. Let me take a moment to tell you about our friends at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football. For most people it's the off but not for the FFPC. They now have almost 200 active dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And here's something incredible. Not a single dynasty league has folded in eight years. Orphan dynasty teams are available for purchase right now. Many of these are good teams ready to compete. And startup dynasty leagues will be forming shortly, so get your name on the wait list today. Plus, if you're ready to draft now, the FFPC best ball leagues are now open, starting at a $35 entry fee. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football.
4: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
2: All right. Um, moving past the sort of top tier of wide receivers, um, are there any guys going in maybe second round of rookie drafts or maybe uh, second through fourth rounds that you are really excited about that you think could surprise people?
3: Yeah. So let's just take a quick inventory of of sort of who those names are, um, if that's right with you. Yeah. Yeah, so I've got the My Fantasy League uh, ADP up for rookie leagues. Uh, in the second round, Equinemius St. Brown, Michael Gallup, and Anthony Miller. Uh, in what would be the third round, DJ Chark, Auden Tate, Deshaun Hamilton, Deion Kane, Antonio Calloway, and Dante Pettis. And then the fourth, Traquan Smith, Simi Cobbs, Alan Lazard, Jordan Lastly, and Kiki Coody. So for me, when I, when I look at this, the, the value that really jumps off the board, in my mind at least, um, in terms of where my rankings have them, is Alan Lazard. The fact that he's coming off the board at the 44th uh, pick of a rookie draft right now seems uh, incredibly low to me. Um, as for why I like Lazard so much, um, he's a guy, kind of like I mentioned with with uh, James Washington that had he come out a year ago would have been pretty competitive in the 2017 wide receiver class in terms of phenom score. Um, But the, the, the athleticism, you know, the, the size, you know, those are things, 6'4, 225 that stand out to me with, especially within the context that um, he returned 21 punts for his career at a, more than a 10 yards per punt return average, which is really unusual. That's that's sort of like Vincent Jackson esque. His phenom score for for this year's uh, entry was 0.64, which again isn't great, but uh, it's you know sort of in that range that you'd like to see. Um, and I think just the the size, athleticism combination, along with his strong record for his career, he's accounted for more than 27% of Iowa State's receiving yards. Uh, i have him kind of in like the the eric decker ish vincent jackson ish sort of mold of uh of of a player and um if i could get him in the fourth round of a rookie draft, i would take him there every time
2: yeah, you mentioned the special team's work definitely unusual to see a receiver i guess of his size doing uh having the punt return duties. Does it worry you at all, I guess we could ask this with Washington and guys like Corden uh, Sutton, does it worry you at all that they didn't come out when they could, that they decided to stay that extra year?
3: Um, it, it does and it doesn't. Uh, as I mentioned, breakout age is something that I pay a lot of attention to. And so it's almost like at a certain point, once they do that, I don't care as much when they come out, assuming they don't totally fall off a cliff or tear their ACL or whatever it might be.
2: Okay. Are there any guys in this in this uh kind of rounds 2 through 4 tier or maybe round 2 would be a good place to look? Are there any guys who you won't be drafting at all? You're just avoiding at their ADP?
3: Yeah, so Anthony Miller is that guy for me in this class. He's he has things going for him and I want to be I want to be clear about that. But when you look at him, uh he didn't break out until his age 22 season uh, he finished at his in his age 23 season um, and the historical track record for guys who who break out at that age uh, is just so so bad uh, in terms of them becoming a top 24 fantasy option that it's just really not even worth it for me to to bet on that. Um, when I was on the dynasty blueprint podcast, Matt Williamson made the the reference of like, if you're if you're in Vegas and you're looking at the board and trying to pick a game to bet, um, you'd be better off just not betting on guys that look like Anthony Miller. Um, and that's not to say that there haven't been people like, say, a uh, a Victor Cruz or a Cecil Shorts uh, who have had kind of similar profiles as him that have, have gone on to relevancy. But I just I wouldn't bet on it.
2: Yeah, these are not, uh, you know, not inspiring confidence with the the comps you just gave. Are there any other players in this in this tier you wanna talk about you really like?
3: Yeah, so I, I kind of go back and forth on this, but I, I wanna I wanna take a I wanna take the stand for Michael Gallup here because I know there are a lot of people. I think the biggest response I got besides the DJ Moore uh, action. I think the biggest response I got on Twitter was about people being excited to see how good Michael Gallup's score was. Uh, he came in at 1.89, uh, and that means that he played his final college season at age 21.8 and accounted for over 37% of his team's receiving yards. Uh, what I love about Michael Gallup, though, and this is, maybe this is narrative street. I don't know. Twitter crush me if it is. Um, Michael Gallup went to junior college and as an 18-year-old in junior college, he accounted for 23% of his team's receiving yards. Pretty good. Age 19, he played three games, got hurt, missed the rest of the season, transferred to Colorado State. Right away, taking that step up, he broke out to the tune of 40% of Colorado's receiving yards in his age 20 season, Uh, and then again went on to crush this, this last year as well. Um for his career he's accounted for more than 32% of all possible passing yards he could have caught which is one of the best in the class um and when I when I went looking for comps um one guy that that really came through for me was actually Stevie Johnson uh, if you remember him out of Kentucky he was uh I think a 7th round late 6th round pick um, for the Bills and went on to, to have a lot of fantasy relevance pretty early on. And Stevie Johnson followed that almost exact same path. Huge 18 year old production in junior college, crushed it again in 19. Went over to Kentucky and put up some big numbers there. Um, Size wise, they're the same. Athleticism, they're you know they're they're pretty similar just across the board. Um, and Michael Gallup is a guy that uh, personally, I really like when you get to see guys um, take a step up and immediately crush it. Uh, an example that also comes to mind from recent years is Jordan Howard. He had two great years at UAB, went to Indiana, and and stepped up in a big way right away. Uh, they they almost have that that practice in kicking it up a gear and having to really uh, sort of work to get to that next level. I know narrative street, but I really I really do think there's something to it. So Michael Gallup is a guy that I want to I want to stump for and i think that uh i would definitely um really be excited to see him succeed i think that adp sort of late two or early three um is pretty fair like we talked about the the wide receiver depth kind of runs out quick but um depending on where he lands i think he could be a guy that that you want to take a shot on
2: all right good stuff um Moving on, I guess, are there any people, any guys who are maybe not even in these first four rounds that you're looking to reach for, or guys at the at the tail end of rookie drafts that you definitely want to have on your team?
3: Yeah, I think two names that, that uh, well, let's say, yeah, two names that we haven't mentioned that aren't in the, the top four rounds uh, in, in rookie draft ADP. Uh, the first would be Deontay Burnett out of USC. And he's a little bit of a a tough guy to get a handle on. And the reason for that being that, uh, he, I think he clocked in at the combine a little bit bigger. he's a small guy, but he was sort of bigger than people were expecting. Um, and because of an injury, he didn't participate anything. So we have no athletic data on him, but he has one of the top couple scores in the phenom index at 2.66. He was a 20 year old in his final college season accounted for 26% plus of his team's receiving yards. Uh, he came like within an eyelash of actually breaking out in his age 19 season, which I think is notable for a couple reasons. One, because, uh, he was playing behind Juju Smith Schuster, who we know what he did as a rookie. He was playing behind Darius Rogers, who was one of the, uh, according to PFF best blocking wide receivers in the country. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Adoree Dory Jackson was still getting some play on offense at that point. um, Obviously, you know Ronald Jones is a d- dynamic playmaker, and the fact that, sort of, despite all that talent, Deontay Burnett was still very relevant as a 19-year-old in a really talented program. Uh, that that says a lot to me. Um, so he's a guy that I had a hard time coming up with a comp for him. Um, but I think in recent years we've seen we've seen some of these guys. Uh, I might be going a little bit off the off the grid here. Um, come from crowded wide receiver cores like this i'm thinking about like uh like an adam humphreys or a martavis bryan out of clemson um uh jalen marshall out of ohio state uh players who weren't as good as deontay burnett was uh in in his college career but surrounded by a lot of talent and then maybe flying a little bit under the radar and then go into the nfl and, and sort of outperform expectations and if there were a player like that in this class it's Deontay Burnett in my mind. So we're going to go from a big school to a much smaller school. Uh, When I tweeted out the Phenom Index article I asked people hey who's somebody that that I didn't include in this Uh, because I only did combine invited guys and you know tweet me him I'll add him to the list and the the most requested player was Justin Watson out of Penn and I very quickly learned that there's uh, a lot of reason to be excited about Justin Watson. Uh, he had, I think, it was the second highest phenom index score in this class, three point two one, which I don't necessarily love mixing him in uh, because guys who aren't invited to the combine just have a, a much lower chance of probability. But uh, he he checks a ton, a ton of boxes, and by that I mean 6'2", 215 pounds plus athleticism across the board. Uh, For his college career, he accounted for just under 40% of Penn's receiving yards, which is really, really uh, in the upper uh, atmosphere of what I've seen. Um, Talk about small school guys kind of dominating in a similar vein. Last year, we saw Cooper Cup and Keelan Cole up in that same range. I don't think uh, anybody would say that either of those guys are the kind of athlete that Justin Watson is. Um, I would be really, really curious to see if he ends up, uh, getting drafted and just how high he does. There's, we've seen guys before not go to the combine and, and be picked in the fourth and fifth rounds. I don't necessarily think that, uh, Justin Watson will, but I think he could, I think he would be deserving, um, you know, good from his age 19 season through the last three. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about, what Justin Watson could be, um, you know, uh, depending on where he he gets drafted, the the upside sort of comps that I had for him, and again, these are some more relevant names, um, players like a, a Mohammed Sanu, maybe a, a, a Ricardo Lewis. Those are a few that that came to mind, coming from much different programs, but um, sort of size and and stylistically and whatnot. Uh, those are a few names.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the uh, sort of the lack of a combine invite is kind of uh means you you take these numbers with a little bit of uh well I guess a little bit of caution maybe does the the fact that he played against you know a lower level of competition does that uh raise some questions for you too
3: it it honestly if if Justin Watson were just athletic and his phenom score was you know a point 2 or something i think it it would raise some questions but we're talking about a true offense carrier, and I don't really care what what level you come from to an extent if you are really as great as he is. I mean, for every time, for his entire college career, for every time that Penn snapped the ball, he picked up about one and a half yards from scrimmage, which is just really, really ridiculous. Um, he had, in addition to the receiving prowess, which I've covered, uh, he also had 44 carries, in his college career for more than seven yards a pop uh that's that's something that i think is relevant too. like just like i mentioned earlier like you could have said the same about keelan cole last year you could have said the same about cooper cup um guys from small schools if they are truly truly dominant truly truly offense carriers uh the strength of schedule matters much less in my opinion
2: all right great stuff um before we sign off any, uh, any, uh, thing coming up that we can look forward to that you're working on, uh, where can we find your stuff?
3: <laughs> Honestly, the only stuff I have going on right now is pinned to my profile on Twitter, <laughs> uh, at hello, John Moore. And that is the phenom index. I had a, a lengthy talk with, uh, one of the powers that be at Rotoviz, and, um, we'll see. We'll see. That's, that's all I can say at this point. I, I, I've got some. I've got some stuff that I haven't written about that I think could help people. But at the same time, it's just kind of a matter of resources and time. And uh, I'm, my birthday is in a couple days. My wedding is in uh, about you know thirty days, and life is a little hectic right now. So there's an interest. Maybe we'll see come June first or or later this summer.
2: All right. Well, a lot going on for you, but uh, you definitely. Give uh, John a follow if you're not already. Hello, John Moore, uh, with no H. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Road of His Draft series. I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Road of His Draft series. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Radio. Remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com, FlashPod.
0: Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Nobody builds five G like Verizon builds five G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with five G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.